Today on How I Scale My Team, we are super excited to host Yoav Vilner, co-founder and CEO of Walnut, a company that creates codeless sales and marketing demo experiences. And Yoav, something super exciting uh, to talk about and actually celebrate is your latest news. Uh, you just closed $35 million Series B within only 18 months. So congrats. Thanks. It's, it's a huge milestone. You, you should sound a little, a little bit more like happy or, or <laughs> excited you have. It's a big deal. Um, you, you know, it's funny how you don't think it's a big deal until it's actually announced, right? So, you know, you get used to the fact that you closed the round, but then a month later, if you announce it, then suddenly it becomes more uh, real. But uh, yeah, it happened, uh, happened in uh, December, actually. Okay, Shahal might know that feeling of closing something and then it pops out. Um, so before we dive in, uh, can you give us right like in two minutes short summary uh, of your career path leading you to where you are right now? Uh, yeah, sure. So when I was fresh out of the army, I wanted to do some freelance marketing for startups. Um, just one, wanted to grab a couple of customers and learn about startups and learn about marketing as well. Didn't really know anything about it yet. Um, and that somehow formed to be the first company in Israel to do what's now referred to as tech marketing, growth marketing, whatever, growth hacking. Um, but we had 600 customers and uh, a few dozens of employees and offices in London and Manhattan. So I was the CEO of that company for about seven years almost. Um, moved back to Israel from New York where we had an office. Um, then I was a founding CMO of a startup designed to save kids from bullying on social media and Walnut. It's awesome. Uh, so, so you're really a, kind of a, a serial entrepreneur. You, you had multiple companies. I checked your LinkedIn earlier. You, had, you know, you, you went <laughs> through quite a route, I would say. And uh, given your experience, you know, I'd like to narrow in on, and I'll ask you a little further about you know, kind of your career later on. But um, in Walnut, when you... Um, how did you use your experience? How did you hire your first three employees at Walnut? Yes, so we were very lucky. The, the first employees were actually people that we work with in different constellations. So our VP sales, we actually had a VP sales as the first guy, which is a very weird decision. Um, this is what also investors were telling us, that it seems weird. But we're also building a product for VP sales types of types of you know, people, so we, we wanted his perspective on the product and the MVP. Uh, regardless of the fact he built quite a pipeline for us, but I, I knew him for a decade and that made it easier. Our first developer, he's worked on a previous startup with my CTO uh, and so on. And so we really were privileged to work with people that we've known. Um, not a formula that you can replicate, right? But this is how we did it. Um... So do you, do you recommend starting hiring like execs in the companies versus individual contributors starting with like the VP layer and then letting them hire the rest? Or do you more believe in kind of more um, kind of bootstrapping, getting the people on the ground, working with you and over time, getting leaders to be able to scale that up? Um, I, I think I think it works a little bit differently in every startup. Um, if If you find an exec, then they would need to really get their hands dirty. So you know, just like setting the expectations with them. Like, it's cool that there were C-levels in a major company before, but now they're going to build out your whatever, you know, MVP or marketing plan or sales pipeline all on their own. So if if the person's up for it, so then, you know, you've, you've won the lottery, right? Because he's, 
they have so much, so many um, impressive stuff in their backgrounds, and they want to dive in um, and, and do and do everything from scratch. It's not always the case. Like sometimes, if you feel you're like a year away from raising funds or something, I don't think there's any rush. You can gradually hire people with a little bit less experience and build it out and teach them or bringing someone to help them, an advisor or whatever. But I think if you plan to raise a lot of money and build a huge company really fast, um, you might need the people with more experience. How do you experience it, Shachal? Like from your background or perspective, uh, first VPs or first, you know, maybe juniors, associates, whatever, and, and growing them in the company? I, I think I agree with Joab. I think it has a lot to do with uh, who you are as this uh, kind of a CEO and what roles you play. In, in building out the company. So if you come from a strong marketing background, then you need someone strong from the tech role, and then you need someone strong for the, maybe the operational role. It really depends on where you're in the plane, what type of company you're building. If it's heavy in operations, then you need someone that can guide you through. Because if you're going to bring someone junior to operations, you don't even know what to tell them to do. <laughs> um, similar in our case in marketing, right? I never brought in a marketing person. And then Maya there was kind of RVP marketing because I don't know how to run performance marketing teams. I need someone that can actually do that. And so I think that um, if you're building a product-led company, you probably need to bring in, you, you have to have a CFO, uh, sorry, a CTO, not a CFO, God forbid. Um, and yeah. and then you need to build a team around them so you can have the initial parts of the product and then you build on top kind of the other resources. I think if you're more of a focus on go-to-market, then you start with marketing or sales. So I really think it depends on, on the organization. Uh, but I'm for one, uh, believe that as soon as you can, bring in a management layer, empower them, let them run, let them hire the people. Um, that's the only way to scale. Nice. So, you have you recently hired uh, your first VP people uh, in operations. And I want to ask, why specifically now? Because as you said, you gathered around you um, a very talented bunch of, of C-level executives really from the beginning of Walnut. Um, and why not actually with the founding management layer? Like, why now this specific role came on? Um, and you know what, maybe just before you answer, how many people work at Walnut today? Just so people understand what, how early you brought in a VP people? Yeah, so now we're about 55. Um, and So why now? Yeah, so I think that we want to build a very strong people operation within Walnut. I think what you usually do when you start a company is you try to stretch all of the founder abilities up until the point where it's a bit too much. Um, otherwise, you would need, I don't know, 20 management people in a very small startup, which doesn't make sense. I think on the people side, now that we're doing a lot of, you know, a lot of um, leap forward with our uh, previous round and the one before that, which we haven't had the time to digest yet, um, because there was like a three months gap in between the rounds or four months. Um, so now it seemed like the best timing for us to actually take care of this whole people side. Um, it's not easy to build out things remotely, right? You guys know it better than I do. Um, it requires a very strong culture um, and, and you need someone really, really good doing just that full time. My, my, By the way, my favorite type of company was when you had like, I don't know, 100 people in the same building and everyone were grabbing pizza or talking about whatever TV show. And it's not the situation right now, right? We're recording this at the peak of a of a wave and everyone's at home. Um, so I, I think that now for us was the best timing. Cool. Um, uh, I, you know, uh, two questions maybe. One is, um, 
What was different about Walnut? I mean, you started a few companies. Uh, this seems to be going, you know, fastest. Um, again, I, I don't know all the previous successes well enough. Uh, maybe you'll correct me. Maybe, maybe previous companies were more successful. Uh, but it seems to be going very fast. What do, what do you think is different about Walnut um, that got it to be um, so successful so soon? Um, I have a follow-up question. I'll let you answer this one first. Uh, yeah, yeah, first of all, very you're very correct. It's, it is moving super fast as opposed to other other thing, things that I have done. Um, I, I would say I would say the combination of of market readiness, like when we just announced what we're doing, um, the world was just shutting down because of Corona, not that long ago, right? So like a year and a half ago, and um, while it was hard to raise funds when we raised our seed. Um, uh, the, the industry was going like remote sales became a thing and, you know, eliminating everything that's actual physical meetings in order to sell something, everything got completely pushed aside and made a lot of room for solutions for SaaS companies that wanted to showcase their products, um, in the new digital era, let's call it. Um, so, so that was a big move in the market that was in, in our favor. Um, the other thing, I think that my personal background with, you know, marketing and, you know, sales is a little bit part of marketing and growth and everything uh, helped us launch the company in a way that proved a lot of value really fast. Um, whether from really, you know, strong and short messages that made it very clear what we're doing to a waiting list that had 700 people on it to being first on product hunt a couple of times. Um, I, I just you know, brought, brought some of my, my, my marketing background, which is for me, it's not a hard job, right? It's what I like to do. And it was very natural in this case. I think it was mostly helpful to understand if we're solving a real problem. If I was not convinced we are, then we wouldn't even raise our seed. Um, so it was kind of an accelerator for us to realize that we're solving a big problem in the market. Cool. And, and the follow-up question is, um, again, obviously, you guys raised, I don't know, 15-plus million within, uh, I don't know, six months, was it, give or take? Yeah. Um, uh, do, you, do you, are you, whatever, so concerned about the market deflating now with, you know, hyper-valued companies that came to realization as they hit public market and how that will influence the the private market is companies raised that, you know, obscene valuations and then um, it created expectations that were super difficult to stand by? First of all, it it, it is very frightening. I don't think we're one of the companies that went too far, right? Um, we didn't become a unicorn company just for having cool uh, color over hair. Like Not a... yet. Not yet. Wait, it's been only 30 days since you closed the array <laughs> round. Yeah, yeah. Give us a little bit more time. But um, no, I, d I don't think we've pushed it too far with the market situation. Everything that we've done was very, uh, for me, very reasonable. Um, but, you know, from the hiring side, I have to tell you that something interesting is happening right now because all of the big public companies in Israel are starting to shrink back a little bit in their valuations. Employees are starting to get bummed out about their compensation and, and stocks. And I have to tell you that companies that you would have to really struggle and fight to, you know, if you had a candidate debating between Walnut and one of these companies, they would usually choose one of them. And now there's like a movement going outwards from these companies to the smaller startups because of the deflation in valuation, which is for for super early startups, it's a really strong opportunity right now to to capture. Absolutely. 
You mentioned the kind of weird decision to onboard uh, the first, you know, VP as, as sales. And, and it's true, we don't hear it uh, that often. Um, let's talk about it. Um, do you think the timing of bringing on the first sales um, impact your success, the growth, um, because it's so related to your product and what you do? Um, how, do how do you see it? Was it, was it a wise decision? Very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really, really suggest that B2B companies do that. Like you do not need a VP sales unless it's someone you've known for a decade, like it was in our case. And I felt comfortable with the person. Um, but, but I definitely urge you to work as fast as possible on, uh, you know, the first design partners would actually dictate if you're raising your seed or not. And uh, the pipeline that that person can build out would later help you because it takes a couple of months to close deals usually. So you would, you know, you would get a pipeline that's supporting your growth in your first year. So, so definitely, yeah, I have to say sales and marketing, usually founders, especially if it's, if it's a team composed only from technical founders that haven't really touched the business side yet, um, they would usually wait until like two years or three years to bring on, you know, marketing and sales and everything. And I, I think it's a huge mistake. Like the competition would just do that before you do. I completely agree by the way sorry to interject um when I, when I got asked on a on another podcast I was interviewed for last week um you know when I look back at the Stoke journey what what do I regret um and I think one of the things that um I, I think I knew but I, I was too slow in doing it is bringing in a sales team um I think when you're starting to sniff uh, like you're gonna get to um, an MVP mm-hmm. you need people to go start selling it. Um, they're going to fail 80% of cases, maybe 90% of cases, but guess what? You're going to see 10% of cases turning into customers, which is early on is, is just the impact is insane. Um, again, multiple reasons, COVID hit, you don't know where the market's going and you're you're kind of, um, you know, watching over your burn rate and your concern. And, and to, to Yoav's point, I 100% agree. Sales is a tricky hire if it's not someone you know. Um, someone once asked me how to, um, you know, when I give feedback about salespeople that I worked with. Um, I keep saying um, you can trust them and it goes a long way when you're talking with salespeople. It's like, do you really know they're going to sell? Because bringing on a bad sales hire takes the company back six to nine months because by the time you realize they're the wrong hire, you forget the fact that they cost a lot. It's like you just, you waited for them to bring in proof and then you need to replace them. So the fact that you can bring in someone that you know and trust to give you the 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 the, the honest truth Um, is just a tr- tremendous accelerator to to the company to the next stage. Lucky you, you have. <laughs> so you touched it a little bit, um, you know, on, on what's going on today um, in the ecosystem and where our talents are going. And, um, you know, today your hiring efforts are against high growth unicorn companies, everyone competing against. And how does a relatively young startup like like Walnut um, competes with that? Um, we always tell candidates, you know, that there's two types of people. If you want to be very comfortable, know exactly what what's your uh, path in your role for the next years, you should definitely go for a huge company. Um, if they're a good brand, it can be really helpful to your resume and everything. But if you want something a little bit more crazy, but with more upside, then definitely, you know, Walnut is, is right for you. Um, I, by the way, I just published an article on Fast Company magazine yesterday, and I was writing about why I think that in such a difficult time, Uh, Walnut, is, Walnut is seeing dozens of, of candidates each week. Um, and this, this is what I was saying. Like, if you have a strong core team, then people want to work because, you know, they want to learn, learn from them. 
Um, if you position yourself the right way, like we focused on marketing, and by the way, marketing was also a very early hire that we had uh, with Emmanuel um, from when we were like 10 people, and it helped us build a brand people want to be affiliated with, then, you know, this this is all stuff that can attract can attract candidates in even if you're competing against against the big animals. And if they choose to go for the bigger salaries, then for sure, you know, it's not the right fit. So maybe people are also looking today at different metrics of and, and different day to day. They want to be more um, creative. They want to have more like of a place to grow, um, less maybe the big brand, more, um, you know, a situation where they can you know, be part of something big, of growth, of, of something that really matters, uh, leaving a mark. That's something uh, our generation is is highly talking about. Um, so I think that also has a lot to do with it. So you have, we're, we're kind of coming to an end, and I really, well, you know, impressed by your career. Um, looking at what you've done, I really want to ask you, you know, what's your biggest challenge today? And what helps you overcome that, you know, going retrospect into everything you've done so far? Um, wow, so many of them, you know. Um, <laughs> Let's pick three. I would say it's usually... We have time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's usually about... It's usually about the people and usually about growing the right way when you have a distributed team, mostly. Um, now, you know, if we'll grow from 50 to, I don't know, 100, 150, and then we do the next round and we grow to 400 and things just get crazy, right? Um, and it's really, really hard for every individual to feel that, you know, they're in the center of our attention. I'm um, going back to the one of the first questions, by the way, about the VP people. Um, I, I think, you know, j- just like I would say, you know, invest in your sales and marketing talents super early on, I would also say, you know, first of all, I should have done that before. We just didn't find the perfect one for us, but now we did. But as a, as a rule, I would say definitely focus on the people operation as early as possible. Also, employees, they have a lot of temptations. They have a lot of offers. You know, they have like hundreds of messages from headhunters every day. Um, and, and you want to make sure that they they see the privilege of, you know, working for your super early startup. No one even knows yet. Um, and it's a, it's not it's not an easy task. So that's always a challenge. So last question you have is something we ask everyone that is uh, in the hot seat in front of me and Shachar. Um, if you had to choose one piece of advice to give out to managers um, and leaders out there building a team, um, and it doesn't matter if uh, it's from scratch, like an early startup or just expanding, what would it be, this like one, one golden advice? Um, I would say that trying to set expectations with people about where their job is taking them in the company and so, for instance, you know, if you talk to everyone, everyone wants to be your COO or, you know, everyone wants to eventually be your CMO or CRO or, you know, you, you have a problem. Like, you need to make sure that people are aligned with their role and their path in your company for the next, at least for the next year or two. Um, also, it's, it's a good expectation to set when you're just interviewing them. But besides, a lot of tension will grow the bigger you grow. Like, if you suddenly grow from 50 to 200, then, you know, people that were owning a whole field within the company now have to split it with more people. And, you know, it, it, it's a very interesting topic. Like, I think it was also on Zero to One, the book by... Um, um, Peter Thiel. Andreessen, I think, or Horowitz, one of no, them. Zero to One, I think, is um, Peter Thiel, so, no? Look it up. 
I will look it up. Oh yeah, sorry. It's uh, hard hard things about hard things. Yeah, yeah. That's by, that's uh, Ben. It's a great book. That's Ben. So he was talking about you know someone that's owning a a role and then you raise a lot of money and he needs to split it with a lot more people. That you know it's it's very hard decisions. Very you know because it's you've become friends and you want to see that they're having having a good time working for you, but then you have to give them a bad. You know, a bad, uh, a bad uh, for them personally. It's a bad new positioning for the role because it's not growing anymore, and it's a whole lot of mess. So, if you can set expectations first, that's always better. It touches also, you know, communication and and honest communication between yeah, people. I agree. You know, it's uh, it, and it's quite a balance. There's there's no really one way. It depends on how you built the team. Because on the one end, you want people to take the company forward, do a lot more than what they were assigned with. But then if they're successful, you're going to tell. But at the end, if you're successful, you're going to do a lot less. You're going to take a portion of what of that thing because that's, by the way, it's true for everyone. You start as a CEO, you're doing everything. And then you're doing less and less and less. And at some point, all you're doing is meeting people and kind of talking to them about how your day's going and how are things going and kind of general strategy. You're no longer involved in the day product, no longer involved in operations. You're not no longer optimizing your PPC campaigns. Like all of a sudden, it's like all you do is talk to people. You don't really do anything with your hands. You can do with an iPad or an iPhone. I don't know. <laughs> you orchestrate. You orchestrate. Uh, yeah, you orchestrate. Yeah, so there's there's this thing. Uh, you, you end up holding this, uh, uh, the orchestrator's, what do you call it? The cane, a stick? What do you call it? I don't know. The Harry Potter thing. <laughs> no, no, that's a wand. It's no, not, I'm you're just, not holding just, a wand. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'd love to be able to control a wand. Though. <laughs> yeah, that seems magical. Um, well, Yoav, thanks a lot. I mean, this, uh, this has been great. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, sorry for all the tech issues as we got started. Um, luckily, the listeners don't even know what we had to go through. Uh, and uh, with that, all our listeners, make sure you follow us so you are always up to speed um, understanding when the next episode is up. Romy and I are already excited. We're usually excited. We're always uh, excited. For our next episode of How I Scale My Team. You have thanks and a lot of good luck with Walnut. Um, I'm thinking of starting something called Chestnut. I think it's uh, it's a trend. Interesting. All right. Best. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank thanks, you, Yoav. Thanks.